Before we get started today, I have a listener to thank for a donation. Patricia Eli Fros sent us a donation via PayPal. Thank you so much, Patricia, for contributing to the show. We really appreciate it. If you would like to donate to the Messy Studio Podcast, just go to MessyStudioPodcast.com and click the Donate button. It's a yellow button in the upper right-hand corner that says Donate, and there you can submit a single-time donation or a recurring monthly donation for literally any amount via PayPal. So that's www.MessyStudioPodcast.com and hit the Donate button. All right, let's get on into it. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I'm Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we have an interview with Phyllis Lachey. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be involved in a collaborative project with other artists? What are the challenges and benefits of creating works of art with others who share your aesthetic vision? How could you get started, and what kind of ground rules or boundaries do the artists involved need to agree upon? In today's episode, Rebecca interviews California artist Phyllis Lachey about her involvement with Stone Soup, a collaboration of three artists, two sculptors and one painter, who developed their work by passing it from one to another. Phyllis gives an inside look at this exciting process and what she has gained from it in her own work. Without further ado, here's Rebecca Kroll. Hello, and welcome to the Messy Studio, New Mexico edition. I'm on the phone today with my friend, um, the artist Phyllis Lachey. She lives in the Bay Area in California. And I, Phyllis and I met, it was over 10 years ago, at my the, the very second cold wax workshop I ever taught. And we've been friends ever since. And Phyllis has been involved in a really interesting um, collaborative art project with some other artists in the Bay Area. And that's going to be mainly what we talk about uh, today. But I want to introduce uh, Phyllis a little bit that she has uh, been an art maker most of her life. And she spent um, many years also um, with a with a very uh, developed ner- career as a nurse. And she um, did uh, things like not only um, critical care, but she was also involved in researching and writing and teaching. And it's interesting how those skills have um, fed into her art making and especially this collaborative project. But 25 years ago, she she left art. Uh, she left nursing to devote herself full-time to making art. And she lives in a really gorgeous place in California up in the hills and spends a lot of time outside, which um, feeds her work, nature. Um, And she's been very involved in the art community in in the Bay Area. So welcome, Phyllis. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm glad you could join me. And, you know, we're we're doing this, we're recording this on separate um, voice recorders. So we're we're taking a little... um, technological leap here. <laughs> and and hopefully this is all going to work out great. So, um, Phyllis, why don't you tell me a little bit about, um, I don't know, just your own work, what, what you would be doing normally in your work outside of um, this collaborative project, which we're going to get into. Well, um, actually, since I, I was working in encaustic until I met Rebecca at that workshop. And at that point, I had uh, decided I wanted to try something different and learned the cold wax medium with oil uh, paint technique and just completely realized that, that was for me. Um, I felt like I had more <laughs> control over the medium. And so I've been doing it ever since. And um, 
sort of a, a, a joke that Rebecca and I share or something we know about me that most others don't is that I've attended numerous of her wonderful workshops because <laughs> I, I feel like I learn something every time. I really enjoy the camaraderie of uh, other people experimenting with this, you know, medium, this fantastic medium. And um, so I've been doing it now for uh, working almost exclusively in cold wax and uh, oil paint on panels for, gosh, I think that was 2009 when we met. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think you get, you get the prize for coming. Well, maybe you yeah. <laughs> compete with one other person. The prize for the most workshops attended. <laughs> Darn, somebody else is competing with me? I thought yeah. I was the slowest le- <laughs> I'm the slowest learner on the planet. Oh well, I guess not. <laughs> but yeah, it's been it's been really wonderful to to be connected for that many years. Um, you know, around this uh, painting with cold wax medium and and seeing all the changes and different locations as well. We've we've gotten together all over the place. Um, and so yeah, um, yeah, and and your work is uh, you are. Um, uh, you, you you like to hike. You like to get out in nature. So there's a lot of reference to the landscape, to nature, in your work. Um, but I know you've also branched out into other conceptual um, ideas with your work. Well, you know, I have. For a long time, I was really kind of hung up on having a concept, you know, a sort of a theme to my work as I was making bodies of work. Um, but I've come to realize that I have somehow I've in the last couple years, I would no longer describe myself as being thematic, other than the fact that I'm come, you know, in love with nature and, and influenced by it strongly, and and that's on my mind um, when I'm painting. Um, and so a lot of my work is about you know the shifting uh, nature of air and mm-hmm. water and earth and you know sort of the erosion and and the movement of of this earth. Of this planet we live on that we sort of think of as static and here for us but you know really it's just kind of hosting us um, but I realize I I just love color and texture and paint and uh, I just sort of get into it and follow the you know follow whatever the panel or the ground is telling me it needs to do next and mm-hmm. um, so I've sort of removed myself from feeling bound to any themes anymore um, I, I just feel like I've my work has reached a, a point where it um, it's clear that it's my work. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. The, I was just going to say that I remember talking to you about this um, last time I was in your studio, I think, last year, and that it's there's a point, you know, where you sort of um, you gain the confidence in your own voice. That yeah, you it's very freeing. It's it's liberating and it, it's you can get out of your head more. You can yeah. stop stop worrying about what am I saying and am I saying it the right way or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, those <laughs> days are done. Yeah, I'm just enjoying the the yes. paint and the you know just the the whole. I don't know. The it's really kind of hard to express. But I just come down here and it's the place where I I find. Uh, down here being that I'm in my studio right now where mm-hmm. I knew it would be quiet and loaded with you know stuff on the walls and things so there's <laughs> not any reverberations because there's paintings everywhere. But this is a place where I can really um, just sort of come into my own and and mm-hmm. feel uh, 
like I can express things better than I can any other place or any other way. Yeah, and I I know this this particular COVID era has been you know it's been really important to be able to have that kind of a you know a, refu- a refuge and a place where you can be yourself and to just say hey this is what I do you know oh and, yes oh yeah. yes yeah. right to have something beautiful to focus on you know is and and nourishing and nurturing is just astoundingly helpful it feels really vital right now you know I yeah. say, and you know a lot of a lot of artists are finding that i think so this the collaborative project that you started um we're going to kind of turn to that now i think but that that happened you started that before the pandemic right cuz i i uh, saw some of that work when i was there a year ago that was in your studio. Um, when did you actually start doing this? And just tell us a little bit about how you got going with it. Right. Um, well, um, initially, it sort it sort of grew organically out of a show that I had had earlier in the year, a two person show with Deborah Friedman, who is a sculptor, and we um, had gotten together because we you know, recognized a shared aesthetic. And the show felt so good and so well integrated, even though she's, you know, on pedestals and I'm on the wall kind of a thing, mm-hmm. that um, we we were chatting in late, November, uh, well, fall of 2019 up in Walnut Creek, I think, near her house, about um, how fun that had been and how satisfying it was and that we'd, we'd hope we could, you know, show some more somewhere else again, kind of an idea. And, um, in that conversation, we, we took it a little further and thought, wow, it would be even better if there were three of us. Maybe we could form a little, you know, trio and go on the road or, you know, whatever you want to think of it as, but just, you know, come up with a, uh, a show that we could, um, uh, offer around and see where we could get shown. So immediately for both of us, the, the person we had in mind was Gina Telcochi, who's, who also shares the same aesthetic and whose work we've both admired. Um, although she works, she's a sculptor, but she works with, in different materials than either of us. We called her sort of with, you know, trepidation and she said, yes, she'd love to do that. So, um, the three of us, you know, recognizing we share an affinity for natural beauty, for humble objects. We kind of both all have a minimalist approach and a love of rust and decay and erosion, that kind of thing. We uh, got excited about the idea of working together. So we agreed to meet at um, Deborah's studio, which was midweek, I mean, midway every other week to plan out how to develop a show together. That's how we got started. Well, it's such an interesting leap from, hey, you know, let's have a show with your work and my work and this other person, Gina's work. Uh, There's a leap there between let's make pieces together. (laughs) Well, exactly. So we didn't, but we didn't get there immediately. We were thinking, okay, well, if we're going to all show together, we need to be able to put together some kind of a statement and a way to, you know, move forward. And we thought, you know, it'd be valuable to get to know each other and also each other's work better. And then it just sort of popped up. I I might have been the one to say it because I've done this kind of thing before and really uh, found it fruitful. Um, we said, well, what if we created a few pieces together? You know, we could have that like in the middle of the room. Mm-hmm. So um, we thought, well, that would be interesting. That'd be an interesting hook. 
And with that in mind, we just decided to do a short-term kind of opening up exercise by collaborating together on what we called failed or abandoned pieces um, uh-huh. that might be, you know, from each of our own studios. And so we decided we'd sort of work on those, you know, we'd bring them to each other, offer them to the others. They would have to accept them, of course. And <laughs> then we would, you know, we would work on someone else's work for a couple of weeks and then bring it back to the group and in a round robin, trade it around and see how that went. So, um, you know, we we thought, okay, well, right away, we know we got to set a couple of rules here because this yes. is weird. <laughs> you know? And so we decided only bring pieces that you really, truly want to let go of, you know, nothing that you cherish. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, if someone else works on it, you're not going to flip out. And the people who are working on it are not going to flip out, you know, worrying about it being precious to you. We yeah. also um, decided that any alterations, whether they were destructive or additive, anything was allowed. Uh, that included, you know, burning, running it over with a car, hitting it with a hammer, you know, whatever you wanted to do. Um, that all that was allowed and that each piece... Um, you know, would continue making the rounds until all of us said, nope, it's done. You know, we're satisfied with this piece. So we we immediately said, okay, so this work is going to belong to all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's once it leaves the original person's hands, it is now uh, owned by all three of us. And we'll wow. move it around yeah. one after another until we all feel like it's finished. And that was kind of a mutual agreement. Okay, this oh, yeah. one's done. Yeah. A couple questions come to mind. <laughs> so when was there was there a basic understanding that when you receive someone else's piece there was going to you, you you would leave something that was recognizable. You you weren't going to totally obliterate it. Or or was um, it like anything? Anything. You could do anything. Anything goes, but you know, as you say that, uh, I look back and eventually we started taking photos of everything so we could see the progress or the uh-huh. progression, if you will, <laughs> you know, the transformations. Um, I, I think that's just kind of implicit. It's, it's like yeah. kind of having a conversation with each other. You don't completely obliterate the other person. You know what I mean? And <laughs> well, sometimes well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right. We do know a few people who might just do that. Um, I don't mean among the art community, of course. I mean, you know, no. politically, but we won't go there. Anyway, um, yeah, no, that wasn't even discussed. It was just yeah. anything goes. Understood. You know, do, yeah. Yeah. Turn it inside out if you want to. Yeah. And and did you did you find that as time went on, um, it, did you get bolder? I mean, when you first started this, were you a little bit tentative about people's feelings or, you know, can I really, can I really get away with, you know, running my car over this thing? Or yes. Are you, were you able to just immediately kind of jump into that mode? Yes. Um, well, n- no, I guess is the right answer. Um, we were hesitant um, about it, uh, about, you know, sort of making your mark on someone else's work because that's so verboten. We just normally would never do that. Right. So we we had to remind each other a couple of times, don't bring anything unless you're not, you know, that you're not willing to, to completely see go into the trash because some of these mm-hmm. things, you know, may just be total failures. We just don't know. Um, so, yeah, that was hard. Um, I think it's less so for me because I've done this a couple of times before in the past, you know, mm-hmm. long-term... Um, 
uh, collaborative projects. But it is, it's, it's a little scary at first. And it's scary, or it was uncomfortable, I found out later, to, um, to both, to both Deborah and Gina to, um, find, particularly me, I guess I'm unusually destructive, but to find that I would have torn something apart or, you know, torn it into bits thinking I'll use this over here and that on a different project and blah, blah, blah. Or particularly, I did take a blowtorch to things. And <laughs> I think once in a while, they would say, they told me much later, not at the time. Much later. <laughs> yeah, much later. Well, and, and that was sort of by design. They withheld that information. I have to admire mm -hmm. them for that, you know, that they felt sort of cringy when they would see something I had, I had messed with. Oh, so you were, you were the more bold and destructive person of this group, at least in the beginning. <laughs> at least in the beginning, yes. Um, because I really, I was comfortable with the idea and I knew yeah. it was, you know, but, but it was harder for them at first. Um, but when I say it was by design, one of the things we decided pretty early on was when you're passing a piece to another person, don't tell them what you think they should do with it. <laughs> oh, right. You know, Absolutely. Like, oh, I'm giving this to you because you're so great with pulp. Uh -huh. And I think it needs this, you know, paper pulp over here and there, you know, that that, that would be that was sort of don't give anybody advice and don't comment on the work you're receiving like oh uh -huh. my god this thing's a mess you know so we just wanted to leave each other free uh to make our own decisions and to you know feel safe with whatever we were doing when we passed things around does that make so, sense yeah so when you physically gave the piece to somebody else there was just nothing you just said here it is walking away yeah. now <laughs> yeah yeah in, That's in great. fact in fact, by March, um, it became really standard that we would wrap something in a paper bag or a box. Oh, uh -huh. and pa you know, once the pandemic hit and we were, you know, trying to stay distanced and everything, uh, it changed our scheduling a bit. But we would pass things to the other person, kind of, uh, you know, they were wrapped. They didn't know what they were. Uh huh. Well, well, actually, sorry, two types of things were getting passed just to be complicated. We, we added new pieces every time we met. We'd bring more stuff from our studio each time. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? So we started uh, out with... With one, you mean you, were, you went from passing one around to more than one? Is that what you mean? Well, we started with each of us brought two pieces of, you know, detritus, if you will, from our studios, uh -huh. abandoned works, failed works. And I gave one to Deborah and one to Gina. Right. And they, in turn, gave one to each, each of us. Each of the others, yeah. Yeah. So we started with six pieces that uh -huh. were now in someone else's hands. You know what I mean? Yes. Right? And so each of us went home with those two pieces and started working on them. The next time we met, we brought those pieces to trade, you know, to send to the third person who hadn't uh -huh. yet had a chance to work on them. Uh and we also brought two more pieces of stuff. Each of us seem to have an awful lot of stuff lying around. That's a lot of stuff, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because well, I, I should say, I mean, having seen a lot of these, they're, they're mostly three-dimensional, right? Yeah. Well, they're they, mostly... They're three objects. Yes, for the most part. And some of those objects have been made out of my flat pieces. Um, it yes. took me a little while to realize, why don't you just bring them a great big painting and see what happens, you know? Yeah. Or, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And um, so once I got into that, because for a while I was trying to be a, you know, wannabe sculptor, and then I realized 
you know, particularly based on their knowledge of sculpture, I was doing a terrible job. So my job sort of <laughs> in my own mind came down to, well, what do I know how to do? I know how to use paint yeah. and solvent and wax and, you know. Right. What's so, your contribution? Yeah. 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 So without saying it, because there were so many things we wouldn't, you know, share about what we were thinking during this process, because it was, you know, we didn't want to poison each other's thoughts in any way or yeah. influence anyone. Uh, I became kind of the surface worker, if you will, and I would, yeah. um, my contribution to their pretty much monochromatic sculptures that were made out of reed or paper pulp or or wire or all three together um, would be to add some coloration, add some contrast and some points of interest and stuff like that. I need to take a quick minute here to tell you all about the latest news from Cold Wax Academy. The membership program Rebecca and her partner Jerry McLaughlin have developed for their online learning about Cold Wax Medium. However, the learning at Cold Wax Academy goes beyond just cold wax and applies to all painting mediums and all aspects of enhancing your art practice. Winter quarter has just started and the topics covered include texture, layering, and how to look at and talk about your art. There are live online sessions, guest speakers, live critiques of member artwork, and opportunities to interact personally with Rebecca and Jerry. For more information about membership levels and learning opportunities, visit www.coldwaxacademy.com. That's www.coldwaxacademy.com. All right, let's get back into the interview. And how how were how were Deborah's and Gina's works different from one another? I mean, what, what yeah. were they each contributing that was unique? Gina's background or her love is pretty much constructing things. So she tends to work, well, she's a weaver, a wonderful weaver. She um, went to school in Arizona, I think, and then she was in Santa Fe, got her master's in Arizona State or, or university. I'm not sure which one. And But she she was in Santa Fe and had a, a you know, successful run of showing her reed works. She would, she, she built uh -huh. herself a cabin in the woods or not in the woods, but sort of in the uh, plains outside in New Mexico, outside a Taos somewhere. And she goes out there every year and collects grasses and reeds. Oh and yeah. There's sticks. some great ones around here. <laughs> oh, okay yeah. then. <laughs> yeah, I know. So she works with a lot of natural materials and then she works with uh, old paper and stuff, but she makes things. She'll make uh, like an old phonograph looking thing or a, a vase or, you know, uh -huh. use the reeds to, you know, make sound producing devices and wow. that kind of stuff. So her work is often more geometric. Deborah, on the other hand, um, works with um, wire um, skeletons that she then uh, dips in paper pulp multiple times. So, uh, and then she... Or, and maybe she's formed them beforehand or forms them a little bit afterhand, after the pulping. And often they look like ancient vessels that you have excavated from the earth, you know, or skeletons wow. or spines. She has a background as a uh, veterinarian, so she's comfortable with bones and stuff. And um, yeah, uh, and she's also, well, she was actually a um, an ophthalmology surgeon as a oh, veterinarian. Really? Wow. So she does a lot of sewing and stitching of things. So her work looks more like it's handmade by someone sitting in a little village somewhere and then wow. got buried and found, you know. So they, there, and some of her work will be on the wall. Um, and pretty much most of Gina's work is on, you know, pedestals. It's larger and more substantial mm -hmm. looking. 
anyway. Yeah, and we'll put we'll put some um, images on our Facebook page of uh, the three of you of your work, and then also include websites in our um, you know the the little blurb that we publish along with the podcast. So if listeners are really, I mean, you know. This is very intriguing. You're going to want to see this stuff. So yeah. we'll, we'll yeah. point you. It's always so hard with a podcast to talk about artwork, honestly. But I think these are really interesting backgrounds about what people are interested in and the kind of materials. And you can see, I mean, when I listen to you describing, and of course, with uh, cold wax, the, the wax is a natural product. So there's yeah. this, there's this continuity of as you said in the beginning, a certain aesthetic um, and a certain interest in the in the natural world and all of these, um, yep. all three yep. of you. And so so you came up, so you would pass these things around. At, at any one time, you would have six or more pieces at once in your studio. Is that what you were saying? I kind of uh, lost track yeah. of the numbers there. Okay. Right. Well, sort of by week 36, each of us had, you know, probably six things we were we were working on, or if yeah. we were lucky, had a couple might have already been declared finished, you know, and then they and, were put aside. And so, when you would declare finished, this was a, a meeting where you brought something in, and uh, yes, I suppose um, after the pandemic, it had to be done with images. Um, well, um, originally we were meeting every two weeks in person, and then as of March, uh, when we started wearing masks, we decided, huh, it's not so good. Let's um, now start meeting via Zoom every week and um, kind of show each other sort of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But we will then meet about once every three weeks to every month to exchange stuff. Okay. Um, And and how, I guess I'm curious, um, so the meetings you... You avoided talking about next steps or yeah. whatever, but the main thing was you would say, I think this piece is finished. Is that how it would go? And then you'd discuss it or? Yeah, sometimes somebody would volunteer that, um, you know, right away. Uh, and maybe it was something they had just worked on mm-hmm. or usually, you know, you know how people are, we would sort of wait for someone else to say, wow, that looks, I think that's <laughs> right. finished. And then you go, yes, me too. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if, if we brought a piece and no one said, I don't know what I would do to that. I think it looks fine. Then, you know, if we all felt that way, great. And if one of us said, no, I think I could, I got an idea, we'd hand it off to that person. So, uh-huh. you know, after a while, we weren't quite so regimented about doing the round. Oh, I just, see. You know I what see. I mean? Yeah. So if you said, if you looked at it and said, you know, I got an idea for something with that, and then they say, okay, take it home, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's such an interesting aspect to all of this about, um, oh, well, what can I say? The artistic ego or something. <laughs> uh huh. You know, like, uh, yeah. like the whole process of trusting each other and, um, saying and, and adapting to the idea that this is a group object it's not my object um and that ideally i suppose in the end your various efforts on the piece would well they're all supporting each other they're all blending they're all coming together to produce this object and um yeah just talk a little bit about yeah like the personal emotional whatever what did you learn as a person doing this yeah um I think, you know, we, we, because we couldn't meet in person and have, you know, coffee and sit for a while, we, we did from time to time, you know, either 
on Zoom talk about it or eventually toward the end when we were really trying to write our art statement together, we, we wrote about what it had meant to us. And, um, you know, all of us agreed that it was just so satisfying and so nice to be able to let go of responsibility for uh, like a problematic ah, piece. You know, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Free, it was freeing. It was liberating. It was freeing. And then you know, especially when you'd watch it evolve or even come to yeah. life again from you know f- fresh treatment in some others in the other artist's hands. I mean, that was just so you know, and we kind of bonded over that whole um, mm. satisfaction and joy of that because. You know, as we did it for a while, we learned to really trust that each other was going to give their best to the piece. And it might not continue to look that way any longer. But again, that, you know, we had to be okay with that if the next person changed it. But we were all giving our best and we knew that, you know? Yeah. Well, the opportunity to see, the opportunity to see something through someone else's eyes and how they would look at it or change it. That's really uh, that's unique because we don't typically give anyone that permission when we show exactly. our work. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. So it it was a very gentle way to put aside your own ego mm-hmm. and to, you know, practice letting go if you will, you know, practice yes. a little non-attachment. Extreme but, um, letting go. <laughs> yeah, it's like in a way you were self-critiquing as you would see something go that left you feeling like a problem and you'd watch it change and come back mm-hmm. to you eventually and you go, oh my gosh, oh, oh wow, that's a, that, I could have thought of, maybe I should have tried that. Well, maybe, you know, I'll put that in my toolbox for the next time. So, yeah. um, you know, we were able to sort of watch our own pieces get revived oh, by others. that's fascinating. I love yeah. that. Yeah. And at the same wow. time, be reviving someone else's work and, you know, seeing a smile now and then was pretty darn nice, you know? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. I, I think uh, Gina remarked that she had noticed that she now had, you know, working on this stuff. Well, at one point, we realized we were feeling like we were having to rush things, you know, on a schedule to have two weeks work on something and give it to someone else. And we said, okay, new rule. You can keep a piece as long as you feel like you need to. Because uh-huh. I think for all of us, we'd have a piece that, you know, we were just, oh, I could do this or I could do that. And you know how it is. You have something that's sort of in progress and you need to put it aside and yes. look at it now and then. And eventually, boom, you get an idea that You can't rush right. it. Yeah. 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 So once we did that, um, that, that was a good move forward. And so, you know, we made up rules as we went along, noticing what the needs were and, um, so mm-hmm. we tackled that one that way. And Gina wrote that she, let's see, noticed the luxury of looking closer at details and at what seems necessary and what can be edited. Mm. And also, yeah. she's yeah. And she said um, her approach to each piece had shifted from what she might add or alter to what she might remove or simplify. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was great. You know, it I mean, is. that's just like. Yes, what a night. So that was kind of what happened for her in in working with all these pieces. Well, and it's interesting, like, you know, one of the first things we were talking about in this interview was, um, well, you know, the permission to change drastically and and how that um, maybe not only became bolder, but more... um, refined as you went along and and the idea that I can simplify this piece I can edit this piece um you know it's just sort of another level of thinking I I would say you know um yeah that's really interesting yep 
Yeah, it was. And I mean, I think that's sort of, even as, you know, mid-career artists thinking yes. you've got it all together, you know, you're finding that you're just being led by others in a well, gentle way toward new things, you know? Yeah, it's just great. and you know, and you might think, like just hearing about the project, you might think that these things became more and more complex the more they were passed around. But I would say some of the ones I've seen um, that you've sent me pictures of, there is a real elegance and simplicity and even oh, minimalism to them. And that that's kind of surprising, really. And what you said about that comment um, was, you know, it's it's an evolving um I don't know it just seems like you you went to new levels in how you were dealing with this. Yeah, yeah. Um we weren't as good as we could have been about taking photographs, you know, at every step of the way in a really good mm -hmm. way, but when we did, we could see these things often get more complex while we were each trying to kind of get to know that particular piece or something, you know, and then and then it would start, sort of settle in and things would be removed or something would be covered over and, and mm. you know, it would finally come into, as Gina had said, a more simplified, edited form. And it's, it's, it echoes the process. I think we go through a lot in our own works, right? We get to these sort of chaotic yeah. stages and then you, you have right. to calm it down and, and say, okay, what's the main idea here? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh. And, and honestly, it wasn't until we saw everything hanging or, you know, on pedestals in a gallery setting that we could really step back and appreciate the the mm. flow and the um, commonality to all the pieces. Which that I guess must have been amazing to see that, that you. So you had a show uh, of this work recently, right? Yeah, we did um, at Gearbox Gallery in Oakland. Um, it's it's called Ordinary Matter, and um, it's actually been extended for three more weeks. So it'll oh, be good. up through yeah. almost the end of January. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, to see it, to see it all just displayed separately, and you know, in the in the setting right. that we have in galleries where everything's yeah. lit and all that. Oh, that must yeah. have been amazing. Yeah, yeah, really, really cool. You know, put in place by someone who knows how to curate and all that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I'm I'm kind of curious, and we're kind of getting to the end here, but I'm curious. Um, uh, did are you moved now to explore three dimensionality in your work? as a result of this and your own work, not the collaborative work? Um, I don't know yet how my process is going to be affected um, about... Well, I realized that sculpture is a, is a whole thing unto itself with different rules and different mm -hmm. elements of focus and stuff. And that, um, you know, I, I pretty quickly realized that that was certainly not a forte for or anything I knew much about. So I I deferred to their sculptural capabilities. And what I did what I did integrate or or I guess I guess the way to say it is I picked up a few new tools for my own toolbox. Yeah. Um, I learned how to patina copper, and I learned how to you know work with. Um, different materials and, and using some shellac here and there and using wire mm. to support something or, mm. or uh, actually rusting things on purpose, you know, and then working with um, alcohol inks, which I'd never done before. So basically for me, it expanded my ability to work with surfaces that were previously foreign to me, oh, you know. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. Yes. So I've now bought some more alcohol inks and I thought I would kind of, 
fool around with those a bit more. Um, mm -hmm. I I honestly don't know. I can say um, I I don't know that I'm going to go sculptural. I think I'm too too addicted to what I'm doing already. Yeah, yeah. But I I can say that I I just had a solo show as well at the end of this year in Berkeley, and the pieces that I had made, you know, um, simultaneously while we were doing this right. this this other project, this collaborative project. When I saw them hanging, I realized that they were generally less worked than I have done before and a little bit more raw, a little uh -huh. looser. Oh. And I think, oh, and some of them even included a little bit of used tape and, uh -huh. you know, crunched up paper and stuff that is a sort of collagey thing I had not really played with very much before. So I think there's little bits of what happened with this project that are that are already affecting my work. But, you know, I'll have to see. I'll have yeah. to see how that goes. Well, it sounds, I mean, the whole process of um, responding to this other work, challenging your former ways or habitual ways of working, this is tr would be true for anyone. I'm not saying, you know, you in particular, but the idea that, you, you know, you have to grow and expand. You have to change some things because yep. you're, you know, somebody's presenting you with a challenge, basically. Yeah. Uh, in, in, yeah. In how, and it, so if you say, well, all right, they've got this surface. I'm not sure how to work on that surface. I want to, but so now I have to figure out a different material to use or something like that. It's, uh, wow, I'm really kind of blown away by what this, um, how exciting this could be. Um, it, well, it's really exciting once you feel truly liberated to try anything. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of core to the whole thing. If you're nervous about other people's work, you know, so setting the rules in place that allow you that freedom and allow everybody that freedom is super and, yeah. important. And finding the right people that you can truly collaborate with. And, and you know, um, it's it's a challenge. You can't collaborate with everybody. You know, some people, yeah. it's just not going to work. Um, and so to find two other people that you could work so well with is, is a wonderful gift, really. Um so uh, I guess um, just kind of wrapping up here and, and tell us what what's going on now with uh, and I should say we didn't really mention the name of your group. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> tell us about that and what's going to happen uh, next. <laughs> okay. Um, well, the, the we called we decided to call the group um, Stone Soup Art. Uh, we were going to call it the Stone Soup Project, but that'd been taken, you know, blah blah blah. So uh, online, so we call it Stone Soup, actually, and. We have, I'm sorry, we call it Stone Soup, but we have a presence online on Instagram where it's called Stone Soup Art, all one word, and you can go there and oh, see okay. pretty much all of the pieces. Um, and then, you know, along the way, we just were kind of cataloging things, and so we have all the pieces are cataloged. We have a group art statement now. Um, Gina went ahead on her own and made a page on her own website for the, what she calls the Stone Soup Project. And so we kind of, you know, we've got this thing going on. We've got a start. So, um, yeah. and each of us still has a few pieces in progress because we had to stop at some point, you know, and there were still some pieces in sure. our studios that hadn't quite made the grade. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> on it, on it goes. <laughs> you know, on it goes. So um, we've actually, you know, we're still meeting on Zoom and we've been talking about, you know, uh, making sure 
people know about our show, blah, 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 and, you know, stuff like that. And what are we <laughs> yeah. going to do with these pieces? Well, let's keep going. And so yeah. uh, we're going to meet soon again, like next week, next Friday, I think it is, oh, and decide excellent. what's next for us. But excellent. we'd like to keep doing this in, you know, in addition to our own um, studio yeah. practices. It's just incredible. Um, for, for me, I'm so grateful that I now feel like I have a couple of really trusted colleagues, you know, that I could mm-hmm. that I could go to for ideas or critique. Oh, or just it's to, wonderful. You know. Yeah, I mean the yeah. personal the personal aspect of uh, working so closely with people is, you know, there's so much value just in that. Yeah, um, it can be tricky, but it's very valuable. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and just it like the. Um, well, the, there's a story called Stone Soup, right? Where, where yes, just oh, sorry. Why don't yeah. you just tell us that to to close things out here, and how that how that interpretation, how you interpreted okay. that to to come to your the name of your group? Okay, yeah. Well, actually, um, me being a little bereft of fairy tales as a kid, I was grew up with a bunch of boys or something, and it was kind of verboten to <laughs> to go uh, there. I didn't know the story. But, uh, I, and I can't remember, it was either Gina or Deb, we were talking about what should we call ourselves, and you know, running through a million little things that were just sort of, eek, you know, meh, not that, mm-hmm, not that. Mm-hmm. And then someone said, well, what about, you know, keying off of that story, Stone Soup? I think it was Deborah started talking about it, and she, she told the story, which is um, an old folk tale that uh, in a village somewhere, let's say Bulgaria or something, you know, they're uh, a a bunch of poor people and they're starving and um, one of them says, I want to make some soup. So they have some, you know, we need some soup. And she gathers some water and starts boiling it and people say, well, what's in the soup? She says, well, nothing. And so she says, but I've got some stones. I'll just put these stones in there. And they're thinking, well, that's not very tasty. So a neighbor says, well, I have some radishes. And someone else comes along and says, I have um, basil or whatever they might have, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, uh, rutabagas, you know, and so they start gathering little bits of stuff from their own mm. cupboards or gardens. And mm-hmm. by the time the whole village has contributed to this boiling water with a stone in it, they've made uh, something edible and nourishing. Oh, that's, you know? yeah, I can see how that's a great title. Yeah. Yeah. So we thought, well, that's what we're doing. We're starting with, you know, stuff, detritus, uh-huh. uh, abandoned, forgotten, failed things in our own studio, stuff we don't even want to work on. Well, and things that on their own are just not enough. You, you know, right. The things that you brought well, by themselves wouldn't make a good soup, but all those different ingredients, they make a good soup. <laughs> right. Thank you. You said that so well. <laughs> All right. I'll try to remember that. <laughs> well, thank you, Phyllis, for telling us about this project. It's really exciting, and I'm sure our listeners will be interested in seeing some of the images and stuff, so we'll we'll make those available. Okay. So, well, this has been great fun. I was a little nervous, but it's been great fun. You, uh, yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that just about wraps up another episode of the Messy Studio Podcast. For more from the Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find the Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at www.coldwaxacademy.com. 
and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.